Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B.A. I'm sure if you're a super nerd like me, who play plenty of video games in the 80s and 90s, you know what I'm talking about. And many others among you know too because it's since become a part of pop culture. But for the rest of you, let me fill you in. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA was a sequence of button presses on a Nintendo video game controller uh, that was first used uh, by a video game developer in the mid-1980s to make it much easier for him and his team to play through the game while they were making it. The sequence, they, they were planning to take it out, but they left it in, and uh, this sequence of button presses was ultimately either by word of mouth or, or through people just discovering it. You certainly can't underestimate uh, people with too much time on their hands figuring these types of things out. This sequence of button presses is called the Contra Code, after the game that made it famous, or the Konami Code, after the company that made the game. So once these ordinary players figured out this code, it spread like wildfire because it seems to be human nature to want to take the shortcut to happiness and victory, even if that vainglorious victory is merely killing the big boss at the end of an amusing entertainment. Anyway, this code has worked its way into numerous video games, websites, music, TV, phones. Yes, indeed, your phone. Let's see if I can make it work. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A. I'm getting dizzy. Yeah, I mean, she's responding. You know, you keep doing it. She'll call you a cheater, all sorts of things. Um, it's there. Um, so... This has certainly worked its way. It's even worked it into my daughter's Fisher-Price preschool uh, game control toy. It looks like a little Nintendo controller, and in fact, if you do that, it'll do something special. Well, in today's gospel account, St. Luke recounts for us a pattern of actions uh, that will make the more important game of life easier to play. Ask for mercy, act with faith, and give thanks. The scene starts with Jesus passing by a group of 10 lepers. I've told you all before um, how terrible leprosy was as a disease before and after the time of Jesus, all the way up until the development of antibiotics in the mid 20th century. The organism that causes leprosy attacks and then causes severe damage to the skin, the nerves, the eyes, and the limbs. The nerve damage makes the limbs slowly become numb and the victims cannot avoid injuring them. These injuries get infected and they don't heal properly. And so those parts of the body slowly rot away, literally. You can imagine what this looks like. And you've probably seen some photographs of people severely affected by the disease. It is extraordinarily disfiguring. But I think the part of the pictures don't capture is how these folks smelled. These folks would smell of slowly rotting flesh. However, for the people afflicted by the disease, honestly, that was the least of their problems. You were an outcast. You weren't allowed to go to the temple, to church. 
and participate in the religious life of your community. You had to stay far away from everybody, and that included your friends and family who would disown you. Probably the closest thing today would be living in the squalidness of absolute poverty. But even then, you would potentially have your family to help support you, and the church, if it was acting as it would and should, would take you in and let you stand alongside others so you could worship God properly. So how did they get out of that terrible predicament, these 10 lepers who came to see Jesus? Well, the first step in the sequence St. Luke teaches us is to ask for mercy. I think we all recognize that there is a prerequisite to asking for mercy. You have to recognize that you have a problem. That's easy, I assume, if you're a person with leprosy in the first century, but all too often those not just outside the church, but you and me, right here in this church building, don't even see our rotting wounds and how offensive they are to those we interact with daily. We fail to see how our self-centeredness, our materialism, our anger, our lying, our pride, our sexual extravagance, our theft, take that list that St. Paul just went through, how they're rotting us away and how much they stink and make others want to be nowhere near us. Unlike leprosy, we have a disease we can control. And if we place our mind in the proper place over our hearts, we can overcome them. But to do that, we need the mercy and love of God. And the good news is that he has plenty of mercy, love, and grace to solve any of our problems. He didn't even wait for us to ask. But while we were still sinners, he came down here, became man, and freely accepted the death of the cross to ensure that there was a bottomless pit of gold for those who ask for his mercy. So examine your lives, find your wounds, and beg God for his mercy. However, many times when we ask God for something, we don't seem to see anything change. And I think that's true here too with these lepers. I'm quite certain that some, if not all of these people afflicted by leprosy had asked God before to take this away from them. Surely, right? So have you given up asking God for something because you think he's not listening? Have you decided that God doesn't want to fix something that's right in your life? I can assure you that God does. He wants to make you and his entire creation right. That's the good news we were talking about just a moment ago. But we can easily fall into despondency. That is, when we believe that there's, it's not even worth asking for help because nothing will ever change. And the fathers and the mothers of the church warn us that one of the greatest and worst sins that we can fall into is despondency. Because really, at that point, if you don't believe that something can change, there's no hope of it changing. So God's always there and willing to help us if we ask. So why do we not see progress? Well, there are often several reasons. First, Perhaps we don't hear Jesus' response. Are we listening to him say to us, go, show yourselves to the priest? Second, maybe we hear Jesus and we don't think it seems right. I'm sure the folks in the story felt that way. I mean, I probably would have said, what are you talking about, Jesus? I can't go my, show myself to the priest. Look at me. Nothing has changed. I'm not supposed to present myself to the priest unless I'm already cured of my illness. So what are you saying to us? I'm still a leper. 
I'm not allowed anywhere near the temple. I'm not even allowed to get closer to you. Jesus, is this just your polite way of saying get lost? Now, I don't want you blindly listening to whatever thought that walks into your mind. That doesn't work very well either. You have to be sure it's Jesus talking first, and you need to be aware and beware of false prophets. I'm sure there were all sorts of folk remedies and false healers that these, these folks afflicted by leprosy had encountered before. So sometimes it isn't as obvious as Jesus standing just so close to us and saying, go show yourselves to the priest. And we need a little help getting there. And that's part of my job as a priest, to help you discern whether what you're hearing is from God or not. And of course, we can set up a time to talk about that, or it can be part of the sacrament of confession and reconciliation that Christ gave as his gift to the church for that very purpose. And the final reason that maybe it seems like God isn't trying to help us is that God knows we aren't ready for the next step in this process, which is acting with faith. The second step of the code is to act with faith. And as I just noted, it would, be, it would have seemed quite bizarre that Jesus asked them to go and show themselves to the priest. They first needed to be healed before they could do that. The lengthy ritual, uh, which you can read later, prescribed in Leviticus 14, that restored a person to the community was done after the person had recovered. And yet these folks would have looked down at themselves and said, I'm just as sick as I was before. But they knew they were listening to the master. After all, they called him that recognizing his authority, and they were ready at that point to act with faith. And indeed, when they did this, they were miraculously healed of their leprosy along the way to go show themselves to the priest. Now, all 10 of them were physically healed, which is great. They may have powered up, but nine of them weren't winning the game. Only one got the rest of the code right, giving thanks. Only one returned to Jesus to give thanks, and the reward was great. Jesus said to him, your faith has made you whole. Jesus wasn't just talking about his leprosy. He was talking about his entire being. The single word version that we often say in English is saved. In fact, you'll see that in some translations of this passage. Your faith has saved you. The Greek word there is sozo, and it means to be saved, to be healed, to be rescued. And it's frequently used in the Bible to specifically talk about the salvation from the penalties of messianic judgment and instead to be delivered by the Messiah, even though it has that more general meaning of healing. So regardless of whether it has the more specific meaning of the messianic judgment, which I think it probably does, it still means he got more than physical healing from his experience. It's saying he was healed body, soul, and mind. That one that returned to give thanks after asking for mercy and acting with faith was the one that received the best reward. So that's the code. And just like the Konami code, you have to get the code. Let's call it the Sozo or the saving code. And you got to get it in the right order. You got to ask, ask for mercy, then act with faith, and then give thanks to get the most out of it. That's the main message for today. Ask for mercy, act with faith, and give thanks, and God will save you. So, 
I want to take a moment, though, at this important juncture to reflect on where we are on our journey as the Church of Advent. As you know, I was ordained a priest last week, and together with you today, I'm celebrating my first Mass. That's exciting, and I also ask for your patience as we celebrate together the new elements and this new responsibility that brings to me and to you as the community, as the key participants in the liturgy. And most importantly, I want us all to give thanks to God for the saving grace he's bestowed upon this community over the last several years. Those of you who have been here the whole time know we've certainly had our rock-bottom moments, that we beg God for mercy and help, acted with faith when all seemed lost. And that's the only reason we're here today. We give thanks to God for Father Michael, who guided us through this difficult time in our parish's life, and for whom we will celebrate a Requiem Mass this Thursday at 7 p.m. on the 30th day following his burial. So today is a day when we can give thanks to God for his rich blessings on us and his restoration of this community to the wholeness and health. So that leads me to the final part of my message today. The good news about that saving code, you get to play it over and over and over again each time taking you to new levels that you never thought were possible. So now that we've given thanks, it's time to ask God for his mercy again. This time, that he give us the direction to follow his commands to go and make disciples. We're a mission church after all. The world within and around us is broken and we have something to offer. But to be effectual, we need to refine and sharpen our purpose and focus on that and that alone. For some of you who have been here a while, you may remember us starting a study of Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Church, with Father Ken DeVoy before he was called up for duty in Korea. And the leadership group has been reading that book again over the last couple of months. And as we experienced the first time, we thought it, it has a lot of good that will help us, and I mean all of us, discern the Church of the Advent's purpose and then act with faith to develop a process and the programs that will help each of us grow into deeper disciples and followers of Christ and into assisting with the church's ministry and each of us developing our own. This is obviously not going to be an instantaneous process, but one that we will work together on in the coming weeks and months. We're not going to start immediately. In fact, we need to attend to first things first. And that first is formally educating our two newest catechumens, Gabe and Sean, and preparing them to enter into the richness of our faith. So we're gonna start our catechism class soon, probably in the next couple of weeks. We're gonna make sure that it works for them, but then that class is open to anyone who wants to learn more about orthodoxy or who wants a refresher. So you'll, and then you'll start hearing soon about how we plan to engage in this uh, purpose process together after the formal catechism class has ended, probably sometime around mid-November and entering into the reflective season of Advent. So we'll be letting you know how to engage with us on that process with us. This church is, is your church, and we want to work together to serve the purpose that God has called us uh, to do. I and the rest of the leadership team is here to guide you, and we ask your help. God needs your help. To save the world around us, we all need all of us together to ask for help, act with faith, and give thanks to succeed. And we will succeed 
because we have God to help us and we know the way. But we often, but instead, unlike the story, we need all 10, not just the one. So help us follow this saving code together. Let's all do it together. And when it's time, please join us. It'll save you. It'll save the world around us. So thank you, Lord, for your rich and beautiful gifts to this church. Thank you for the people who have walked along and supported it. And thank you for making us whole again. But in the fullness you have given us, we are again aware of the gap between where we are and where you are. We want and we long to be closer to you. So give us your help, better define and refine our purposes and give us the ears to hear what you want us to do and have the faith to do it. Amen. Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.